3: Season for 2018 is essentially done at this point. We're looking forward to next year on Roto Viz Radio. Welcome on into Roto Radio. I'm Dave Caban, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Roto I am joined by Matthew Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. Matt, the grind is just about done. How did the season end up for you?
1: It went well, and uh, I mean, week sixteen. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown went off. Classic. My mentions are being destroyed, um, <laughs> but you know, this isn't going to uh, to get me down. It's the holiday season. Uh, I won my yep. long time or let me uh, knock on wood here. Uh, it looks like I will win as we're recording this, uh, my longtime dynasty league, uh, fourth championship in seven years. So excited about that. Uh, and you know, one thing that, uh, the Antonio truthers maybe forgot was that for my bold call this week on the, uh, action network NFL podcast, I actually said Antonio has a 100 yard two touchdown game. So, uh, I feel my pulse. I mean, I feel like I'm still like, on the pulse of this antonio brown situation uh and i I bet the over (laughs) on the uh, fantasy props at my booking uh on antonio brown so actually pretty good about uh how everything went this week nice
3: nice well i guess we should say happy holidays to everybody out there matt and i decided to record this on sunday night so that we could get this out maybe if you're driving somewhere uh you have a bit of a trek actually sean siegel apparently just finished a 24-hour cross-country drive for Christmas. So uh, if you have something similar, maybe you can listen to this. Uh, As a disclaimer, I was at the Patriots game today, so I really don't have too much on the games that started uh, in the latter portion of the day. But I think we're going to look ahead to next year a little bit. Uh, Obviously, you have Antonio, as Matt just mentioned, 185 yards, two touchdowns. Behind him, Robbie Anderson, 140 yards, one touchdown, 29 points. Matt. Robbie Anderson was a player that I was high, very high on going into the season. I think what we may have seen was a team that took some time to find its identity, a rookie quarterback that had to get a little bit more acclimated to the NFL before a player like Anderson could put it together. And down the stretch, he has now had a couple of nice games. Do you think that he's starting to reach the, I guess, weekly floor where he kind of could be usable next
1: season, you're thinking? Maybe. I mean, one thing is he was in a really good matchup. And uh, so I think that was part of it. But he is seeing heavy target volume. He's had at least seven targets in the last four weeks. Um, so there is a lot that is good with him, uh, and his situation, as you mentioned, is improving with a, a promising rookie quarterback who is developing as the season closes. And, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson is like, I think people always kind of undervalue him because he was an undrafted guy in his, uh, like he's been inconsistent in his production, Um, But like we've seen his ceiling and I think he will start to develop the type of floor that makes him a little bit safer moving forward. So uh, I don't know. I like him quite a bit. He's just like he's tall. He's super fast for and we talked about this with with Matt Kelly uh, earlier on Road of Israel. Like he's super fast for a guy of his height Uh, and he was actually pretty productive uh, for one season in college when he transitioned to wide receiver from cornerback. So I think there's a lot to like about him.
3: Yeah, and I should mention, actually, uh, after reading some of the iTunes reviews, the show with you and Matt Kelly was a huge
1: hit. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, a, but it's horrible. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> no, we'll have to do it again because people liked it. Um, there was also a couple of comments, too, about people that saying that they would rather spend $100 and play us in their leagues as opposed to taking any advice from us, which I actually thought was pretty That's hilarious. Um, but Sam Darnold now, actually, uh, at this point, Fifth in points at the quarterback position for the week looked like one of the better streaming options uh, this week, actually. So I think along some of the lines that we've talked about, he's a player that could be encouraging moving into next season. Baker Mayfield put together a pretty good game today, 25 points, so it's kind of cool now. We're definitely picking up some of these rookies now as usable guys. Josh Allen did not look good today. I got to see firsthand just how incompetent he actually is. He threw probably one of the worst interceptions that I've ever seen today. Still managed to finish with about 12 points, though, um, somehow, with that one touchdown pass kind of at the end to save the day. Um, At the running back position, Christian McCaffrey, I don't know if you saw this, but now he has eclipsed as a running back a single season reception total higher than his dad ever saw playing wide receiver, mind you. So he's just absolutely um, killing it. And I think moving into next season, Matt and I are going to kind of look at this um, in a couple of minutes. I think he's probably going to be a top six pick. um, When you look at the way that he's being used, the team that he's on and how productive he was this year. For those of you that owned Aaron Jones And he went out with the injury. It's probably disappointing now to see that Jamal Williams finishes with nearly 28 points today. And it could have been jones winning you your championship elijah mcguire we should probably mention with the 23 and
1: a half points cj anderson matt i did not see this <laughs> yeah is this true 23 points what Yeah. generational talent and sorry i think i i thought i had my uh mic on mute and i was uh typing i was responding to a troll on twitter that's uh it's got to be done in a timely fashion so sorry if you could hear me typing furiously in the background but yeah cj oh that's cj fine. anderson uh hashtag generational talent uh, really showing what he could do behind a good offensive line this week. So um yeah good good wow. situation for him. Wow. So they picked him up and
3: put him right in there. And then Darren Sproles, is this true 20 points in yes. <laughs> Darren Sproles
1: in my starting lineup in the Dynasty League. No <laughs> yeah. way. That's how bad my no my running back situation was this year. And then
3: I looked down further to the list and again, I'm catching up on this because I was, you know, at the game today, Jaquiz Rogers seventh on the week at running back with 19 points. Yeah. I mean, two rushes, Yeah, got one for a score, yeah. seven wrecks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Right. And right, it's, so- it's week 16. So like the waters are muddied to begin with. Uh, and then it was just a, you know, weird week in general for, uh, for scoring and running backs.
3: Yeah. So then Donta Foreman actually, uh, first game back, it looks like he actually did something. Um, 11 points. I don't know if you got to see any of him to have any analysis on, you know, if it looks like he, um,
1: you know, yeah, could I mean, replace
3: he's, Lamar Miller next season. Or. Yeah. I
1: mean, his uh, big scoring play was on a reception, which like that was always the knock on him coming out of college was that he couldn't catch the ball. Um, But he at least did something as a uh, receiver before injuring himself last year. So uh, I think there's definitely some potential there with him. I mean, he's definitely got like the, the size speed profile of a, a, uh, like prototypical back. Uh, if he's at least just like not a negative as a receiver, I think that's probably good enough.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Robert Woods comes in third, uh, at receiver so far with 28 points, Nelson Aguilar, big game 23, Muhammad's new 22. Um, Interesting to have a couple of names up there that teams might have moved off of uh, contributing at this point. Chester Rogers, big game, and T.Y. Hilton. So it looks like the Colts were impressive, only beating the Giants by one point. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: and uh, the Colts scored four touchdowns, uh, and not one of those went to Hilton or Ebron, which uh, I wouldn't have expected before the game if you had told me they were going to score four touchdowns. But uh, yeah, their offense you know, came back from behind. Um, I think they look like a a pretty dangerous team. Um, I know they didn't take care of business the way you think they would kind of take care of business against the Giants team. Um, but I think it's the hallmark of a good team where they can have like a game that's not so great and then still pull it out at the end. Um, so I, I think they will probably go to the playoffs. I hope they do. They look like a playoff team.
3: Yeah, I think they're one of those teams that's putting things together at the right point in time, which definitely makes for a dangerous opponent to face in the playoffs. Um, and I, you know, this was one of the, like, um, the Colts were one of these teams that you heard some sharp guys, such as Martin Sharp himself talking about heading into the season, being a team that was really going to turn things around. And I think we definitely saw that Andrew Luck has been fantastic. It's encouraging to see what Marlon Mack was able to do. Um, and Ebron obviously outperformed what even his biggest supporters would have expected. So they've definitely been a team uh, that I think a lot of players will be excited about owning some percentage of next season. Now, Calvin Ridley, 18 points on the day, finds the end zone again, only five targets. We've now got to see a full fantasy season from Ridley. He's had tremendous games, you know, the three touchdown game early on in the season. He's disappeared at points. I actually have to rule that it was a pretty good rookie campaign but it is hard to deduce just how good of a receiver he actually is. But maybe from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I think it was a great rookie campaign. And I think um, what matters more kind of for predicting how rookies will do moving forward isn't like the um, the week to week consistency, um, but just kind of like uh, the raw total of like – the, the raw production that they get, uh, and the, the targets that they get and, uh, like the routes that they run, just like how incorporated to the offense they are. And he's like clearly a very integral part of the offense. So although his production was inconsistent, like he's going to finish the year with, uh, you know, like nine or 10 touchdowns, uh, and you know, mm. like 800 ish, maybe receiving yards. Like that's a really good season for a rookie
3: yeah that is I'm looking at this now so 87 targets on the season 59 receptions 789 yards one touchdown very easily next week could pop that up too yeah so I mean that is a really hard stat line to ignore um especially for a rookie now I'm looking at some of these other results too so it looks like Aaron Rodgers finally put together a monster game I'm seeing a couple of receivers here Equinemius St. Brown Devonta Adams obviously
1: Jake Kumara, Oh man to yeah. be honest Matt I need some background on oh, Kumara. Like he was like a preseason darling. And uh, where did he go? Was it like Wisconsin Whitewater or something like that? Like, I don't remember I really exactly don't know, where yeah. he came from, but he played at a smaller school, uh, was super productive there, uh, has good size and good athleticism. And like one of those guys who has kind of like been hanging around the league for like like 2 to 3 years uh and like started to have a really good preseason and like there were rumors like hey Aaron Rodgers really likes him um he could be someone who breaks out and then he had uh you know what was almost a season ending injury in training camp so like he hasn't he hasn't been playing till now um but gotcha. like he has a lot of upside he is basically I don't want to say like he's Jeff Janis because like he's not um exactly like the, the size, speed specimen that Janice was. But like a lot of yep. the things that people like about Janice, like very productive, uh, big, uh, athletic enough, um, you know, like small school kind of guy, like that is what Kumaro is. Um, so he's someone who's really interesting. And then I'm seeing too
3: Marquez Valdez Scantling. It looks like uh, nine targets today, five receptions, 75 yards. The natural question here is, Next season, Geronimo Allison will be healed from the injury. Is he the number two, or do you think mm-hmm. that one of these younger players surpasses him behind Devontae Adams?
1: I mean, I think one of the younger guys surpasses him. I was never really all that interested in Geronimo Allison to begin with. Um, yep. And I mean, an undrafted guy uh, hasn't played for a year. You have these guys that the team actually invested in uh, and who have like learned this system over the past year uh like developed a chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. So, uh I don't know. I mean there might be some room for Allison in that uh Cobb I believe will probably be gone. Um so, yep. you know, I it, it's not unfathomable to think that there's kind of a I don't know, like where like the number two and number three are kind of indistinguishable between the number one of Devonte Adams. So whether he's like the number two or the number three, like he's just kind of like one of the guys who's out there in three receiver sets. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think at this point looking to next
3: season, it's going to be really hard to try to identify who the guy is going to be there. I'm already kind of dreading trying to do the Packers projection because I think that, um, It's going to be really hard to know what's going to happen there. Brashad Perriman, Matt, has now strung together a couple of nice games for the Browns. Uh, He was a player that I kind of liked coming out of school. Um, Kind of like re-putting his career together at this point. Do you see him as a player that could be a fantasy viable option next season if he's able to return in that Browns offense?
1: Maybe. It's... It's a weird situation in that and, – and so actually one thing just to to uh, tie Bo on the previous uh, conversation uh, with Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and his receivers. Uh, that game went into overtime, so there is extra production from that game that isn't maybe sort of okay. like totally representative. But like it was still a shootout anyway, and there was a lot of production going around anyway. But just kind of like a, a side note that that game did go into overtime. Uh, with Brashad yeah. Perryman, I mean the, the big – Uh gain that he had in this game was on a a trick play like a throw from Jarvis Landry So like it's you know, but the thing is like he did have 81 yards two weeks ago Uh, he had 31 yards in a touchdown last week He has another game this week with you know, pretty significant yardage, but it's all come on pretty small targets Um, you know just sort of like two to three targets is really where he's living um, so maybe there's the possibility for him to emerge but I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to put too much stock in in him right now. Did Landry have
3: something in his contract that he had to throw like X amount of passes this season?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But if, if he, <laughs> if he did, then they probably wouldn't have let him.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Just looking uh, quickly here too, at tight ends, Chris Herndon, who you've talked about a number of times had a day to day. It looks like one touchdown, 82 yards Evan Ingram um, gets back into the fold. Of course, some of that has to do with OBJ being out. And Mark Andrews, another younger tight end, finishing with 16.3 points. If we're looking at the tight and Ian Thomas, too, I should mention, um, 15 points, four wrecks, 80 yards, and one touchdown. As far as these young tight ends go, Matt, looking ahead to next season, Did any of them stand out to you more than others? Is it Herndon that you're most excited about moving into next season? Or is it maybe one of these guys like the Baltimore tight ends that were kind of splitting time? Uh, Ian Thomas, anybody stand out to you?
1: Man, It's it's kind of hard to distinguish between all of these guys. Mark Andrews, um, I thought probably should have been drafted higher than the third round. And one thing that really muddied uh, his opportunities was that, uh, you know, I mean, the Raidens, not the Ravens the Ravens uh, <laughs> drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round. Um, so right. like he was kind of presumed to be the guy, but he wasn't nearly as productive as Mark Andrews in college. Uh, and, you know, maybe some of that is kind of the, the scheme uh, that he was in, but whatever. I don't know. Andrews, I think he's shown he probably deserves first shot at being the guy next year. Um, he's just done much more with his opportunities. But with the younger tight ends, it's still it's still hard to know. Uh, and I'm much more interested in the the group of like second year guys who are entering their third year than I am in, yeah. in the rookies.
3: That makes sense. I'm also seeing that Kyle Rudolph had a day to day nine targets, nine wrecks, 122 yards and two touchdowns.
1: Yeah. I think one of those was like a, a Hail Mary uh, at, at the end of the mm-hmm. half to, uh, to get, so it's not entirely representative. Um, but it's, yeah. it's like, um, Richard Rogers, <laughs> like getting the, the hell Mary, like a couple uh, years yeah. ago from Aaron Rogers. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, they, they did use him much more than he's been used at any other point this year, uh, which is pretty encouraging, uh, especially because he is such a good touchdown producer and he hasn't really had the ability to do that for most of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also think
3: that it's it's worth noting. We've talked about this a couple of times, just about how much of a fall off there was for Brady from a fantasy perspective this year. Hopefully, did not you did not play him? Just five points today, yeah. another and, low day for Marcus Mariota. And, and
1: like talking about Brady, he was lucky yeah. to get five points, and we have to mention Gronk getting zero points. Like yes, it's, uh, man, you don't want to say the end is nigh because they, they got a win when they needed it. And it looks like they uh, have a real shot at, at getting in the first round by. Um, so, I mean, totally conceivable that they could be in the super bowl <laughs> once again. Um, but it's just, it's not as easy for them this year as it was last year and the year before that.
3: Yeah, it certainly isn't. And I think that the competition that they have in the AFC is a little bit better this year or there's more teams I think that are in that realm of beating them or that have the potential to perhaps not that one team that you'd be really worried about them facing but there's a number of teams Uh, one of who would be the Chargers who um, man Philip Rivers just 3.34 points in the championship game I was impacted by this Mike Williams puts up a dud Melvin Gordon did get back and find the end zone so I think that was encouraging but you know, you never like to see a guy like Philip Rivers with just three points in the in the championship week. No.
1: Um, I mean, it, it's hard to know exactly what it is, but I mean, the Ravens have a good defense. Um, you know, Keenan Allen wasn't totally healthy um, because of the mm. hit pointer injury. Um, yeah, and the Ravens are just a hard team to prepare for because of the way that they run their offense. Uh, and they chew up a lot of clock. So just fewer opportunities in general for opposing teams to score points. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows exactly what, what this week means for the chargers moving forward. Um, I think it's more just kind of like, uh, they performed on the low end of their range of outcomes. Um, given the matchup that they had.
3: Right. And I also want to mention Matthew Stafford, who went under five points today and has just been a complete debacle uh, for teams that thought he'd be their quarterback going into the season. I don't even really remember the last time that he had a decent
1: game. No, it's been bad. It's a a lost year for him.
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, Hosting an alfresco get together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from 1999. Polos from 1699. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic
3: Factory. It is a lost year. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard us talking about this for weeks. If you're still on the sidelines, don't be anymore. Doesn't matter if you're an expert or a rookie. Bet at my bookie. You can bet a little, win a lot. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you could win up to $600 off of an $100 bet. For example, we have the playoffs coming up. College basketball's in full swing. There's still some bowl games, NBA, NHL. Uh, esports, you name it, they have it. It's the one bet that we know you'll be happy with all year. We trust them. And if you sign up this week, mybookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jump start your bankroll. Make sure that you follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They've given away a ton of money to their followers this football season. So don't miss out on all of the awesome upcoming action. Log onto MyBookie right now and use promo code. RotoViz to get a 50% deposit bonus. That's RotoViz. You play, you win, you get paid. Um but let's look ahead to next season now. I know before we got on air you said that you were starting to put together your kind of view of the first round next season.
1: Yeah. Um my question for you is let's kind of talk through what we think if we were to create like a and do we want to do this for for PPR, I'm assuming? Yeah. Um, what we think our first round would look like for 2019 and granted, like all of this can change based on, you know, the off season movement, whatever, there could be a lot of change in this. Um, who do you think is the number one pick? I mean, I know we talked about Saquon Barkley as a potential option, uh, an episode or two episodes ago, but I think it's, you know, it's going to be in the conversation. Todd Gurley, Saquon, uh, Christian McCaffrey is in the conversation, I think. Uh, and then I think Ezekiel Elliott is probably in the conversation. Uh, I think it probably comes down to Saquon and Todd Gurley. Um, but what are your thoughts?
3: I think that, um, it's going to be, I don't know, man, like Saquon was so good. Um, but we've now seen Todd Gurley for a couple of years, have that level of consistency So I really think that some of it is going to be predicated upon which player the analysts feel more comfortable touting as the number one, which I think would still be Gurley. I could see though how him being out uh, today might impact that, but I really think which way the analysts go will kind of dictate who ends up being the first overall pick. I do think though that if I were making this pick, I probably would go on the side of Gurley just because I feel overall a little bit better about his situation. I feel like with that Giants organization, you could have concerns about what's going to happen at quarterback, how productive that team can be. Although he is so good that I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Uh, but I think we still end up seeing Gurley as the first pick.
1: It's it's interesting. Um, I think I might go with Saquon. And I mean, I think, I I don't know, I I could see either, either one, but for me, like we've seen Gurley in negative circumstances and we've seen him underwhelm in those circumstances. Whereas Barkley, it's not that he's in horrible circumstances right now, um, but he's not really in a great spot and he's still been incredibly productive. Uh, and so I think even, I don't, it's, it, so the thing is there normally is a pretty decent jump between year 1 and year 2 production for rookie running backs. Um yeah. and so it's hard to assume that we're going to get that with Barkley because he's already been so good. Um so maybe I don't feel comfortable assuming that he's going to be better than he was this year, but even if he's sort of just what he was this year, maybe his circumstances Im- improve a little bit, maybe they don't, but uh I don't know. I I think I would probably go with Barkley, but it's pretty close between those two. Um, yeah, definitely one, one person to bring up Alvin Kamara. And let's assume that Mark Ingram is gone because I think he will be. Yep. I don't think
3: that people will be considering him in front of either of those two players, mainly because of the, I guess kind of drop off in his production when, um, Ingram came back which I know in the instance where you're going to be considering him in this pool it you know he's going to be that the main back but I do think that it's going to kind of permeate into people's thinking you know like yeah. even though though they know that that will be removed they won't be able to get over cuz I think so much of what you see heading into the season relates to how players finished the season the season before um so I don't see him getting into that conversation I really think that the two players behind Barkley and Gurley are going to be McCaffrey and Elliott. Unless, of course, we see Lave Bell land in a really favorable situation.
1: He's kind of the wild card in all of yeah. this. Are, uh, are you in agreement with me that those five guys are probably before any wide receiver?
3: Yeah, I am. Because I think that there is going to be, when people reflect on Antonio Brown, they're going to be, I think, starting to get aware that maybe we can't expect Antonio Brown to be as clear-cut of a awesome, awesome option or like you know wide receiver one heading into next season with what we saw from Juju with some of the things that you've pointed out falling off in his game. And I don't think that DeAndre Hopkins, Devonte Adams, any of these type of any of these guys, you know, even Michael Thomas, are going to be able to drum up enough excitement because even though wide receivers bounce back this year, there are a lot of really good running backs. Yeah. And I think people are just going to feel better about what they're going to get out of these backs. Um, so I'm with you. I'm going to be surprised if we see a wide receiver go until maybe pick seven. Yeah, Maybe pick six. Yeah. I mean, but. so
1: I think we have a, a top five in, in some order of uh, Gurley and Barkley as the top two guys. Underneath them, probably like the three of McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, and Kamara. Uh, And then number six, um, I think that's where you start to have like this pivot of, do you go to a wide receiver? Do you go to another running back? And if so, which running back? Uh, Is that Le'Veon Bell? Is it Melvin Gordon? Right. Is it, you know, maybe James Conner? You know, like I I think that's where people will start to have like this question about where they want to go. For me, I think at six, I would probably go Le'Veon Bell. Let's assume that he goes to a place that's not horrible, right? Let's assume that he's like desired enough to where he has the option of going to a place that puts him in a good situation. And uh, maybe they've invested enough in him where they are committed to using him, not exactly as he was used in Pittsburgh, but uh, used as a pretty like dominant number one back. For sure. Now, I've seen Indianapolis uh, kind of get thrown
3: out there talking about him. I think him in Indianapolis, man, that'd be a pretty dangerous combination.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they would want him to be honest,
3: because yeah, I don't think they need yeah, him either, but yeah. we've seen teams do this. Like, I don't think they need him at all. Um, but I can, I can see how they might think, you know, you got Andrew Luck and then you give him one of the best backs in the game. You have the Eric Ebron emergence this season, TY Hilton there. I can see how it might happen. I don't think it needs to. though. Yeah.
1: Uh, Okay. So let's say uh, I'm putting bell, I think at number six. Um, I don't know if that's who you would have there, but let's start to look at wide receiver. Who do you think is the number one wide receiver?
3: Hmm. I mean, I think that it's hard to go away from Adams or Thomas heading into next season. I actually think, um, I guess I could probably break the tie just by looking at the touchdowns that Adams has had for a number of years now. But I, I actually am kind of inclined to go with Michael Thomas, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, Thomas has more receptions through his first three years than any other wide receiver in NFL history. You yeah. know, like he's he's very dominant in that way. Uh, and for the PPR format, like that, that means a lot. And even though the um, – even though the Saints have become much more of a run-heavy team, um, it's possible that that reverts back a little bit next year. And even if it doesn't, like Thomas has still gotten targets uh, in a wide, uh, like in a, a run-heavy scheme. So yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's definitely a first rounder. I think it's just a question of is he the the first wide receiver off the board, and how early are we taking him? Are we looking at him and kind of like pick seven, pick eight, or more like? pick 10 through 12 for sure. And, and the other thing
3: to note on Thomas too, is just how efficient he is catching passes from breeze that it doesn't matter. Maybe, you know, if he finishes with 30 less targets than some yeah. of those guys that might be before him, uh, because the yardage is there as well. Um, here's what you like to see. Here's a question. Yep.
1: Uh, what about Hopkins?
3: It's hard. It's hard. Um, but I feel like what we're going to see now is, well, I don't know if it's really going to happen, but I kind of think like I've alluded to a couple of times, we're at the point now where I think we're going to see a bit of a change in who's finishing in the top three at the position. Not to say that DeAndre Hopkins can't do it because I think he's awesome. Um, but to me, I really think that Adams and Thomas have kind of separated themselves. So for me, I actually think I'm slating them in ahead in of Hopkins.
1: Interesting. I think – so Julio – is interesting to me yeah. and I think from like a, you know, real life perspective, he's probably the best receiver in the league. Um, yeah. but he will be 30. Um, there is the possibility of a new offensive coordinator and that can maybe be a good thing, but that could also be a bad thing. Um, and, uh, he is a guy who kind of regardless of any regression we might see because of age, uh, does have injury issues. You know, he gets, you know, he gets banged up. So yeah. Yeah. He's someone who's interesting to me and I think he probably should be a first rounder. Um, but I I mean, I think of him as being in that same cohort of like top three, but I don't think he should necessarily be drafted there. You know what I mean? Yeah,
3: I hear you. Although, you know, I, I do want to question one thing here, talking about the best receiver in the game. I think that Hopkins actually could make a case right now for being the best overall wide receiver. Um, it's, I think I, it's I'm, possible. I'm,
1: I'm I think it's possible. It's possible.
3: I kind of want to at some point pick one player and then just debate with you um, whether or not they're – well, you're – So maybe I would have to take Antonio Brown, give you one of these players. And then we can kind of debate that Okay, (laughs) because you think that Brown is garbage. Yeah,
1: obviously. So actually here's one thing that's funny. So, um, I mean, I'm going to be like rehashing this piece when I'm like 90. Um, I mean, (laughs) so the first piece obviously like was bold. I would say too bold in certain instances, but like the second piece was like very clear. It's like, he's not a bad player. He's not a top 10 receiver. This is where I am. And, um, I feel I've actually had a pretty good week to week read on him Um, and I'm still actually pretty confident that uh, he's going to continue to decline next year. So like, I mean, I don't know, I'm I'm not going to say like, Hey, anyone on Twitter, if we want to like take a bet, but like I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how he does against other receivers. Like I would be very interested if people, I don't know if people wanted to make it interesting uh, like Devonte mm-hmm. Adams, like, like give me the, not, not the field, but like, I will take Devonte Adams versus Antonio, DeAndre Hopkins versus Antonio, Michael I, Thomas yeah. versus Antonio, Odo Beckham versus Antonio, Julio Jones versus Antonio, Juju versus Antonio. Like I, you know, but I won't take just one of them. Like I want, I want the group. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well,
3: also I just want to point out here, right. Um, Juju actually is ahead of Antonio in receptions. He's also ahead of him in yards. The touchdown difference is Antonio Brown, 15 touchdowns, Juju six. That's probably not- That's not sustainable. (laughs) That's not sustainable, right? Like, I mean, Juju really is, I think, a top, it's undeniably a top 15 wide receiver in the league. This is a very, very talented young player. So you're not going to see a disparity like that in those touchdown numbers And I mean, if you flip away four, five of those very realistically could flip between the two, you're probably looking at Juju finishing ahead of Antonio. So I think that's actually a legitimate question heading into next season is which one of them finishes with more points. And I think you could, I mean, I'd really, really, really have to think about that on any metric, you know, targets, targets. I think that would be hard, but who knows? Maybe Juju could overtake him. Rex definitely has yeah. possibility yards. So when you look at all of this, I mean, it does kind of speak to the fact that the Antonio Brown that we're going to get in 2019 is probably not going to be what we've seen in the last five or six Yeah, years. like
1: touchdowns in yards. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Uh, targets and receptions in yards tend to be a better indicator of skill uh, and an indicator of where touchdowns will go. Uh, then touchdowns are an indicator of skill. You know what I mean? So, like, the yep. fact that Juju is getting almost as many targets, is getting more receptions, uh, and is uh, he has more yards, too. Like, eventually, that's going to lead to more touchdowns. You know what I mean? So, it's, yeah. it's a situation where, like, I'm, I'm good taking Juju. But, like, so just as, like, a blanket statement, uh, I don't think Antonio is a first-rounder. Like, I think pretty clearly next year he's not a first-rounder. Anyone who wants to take him in the first round, like, I want that person in my league.
3: Um, I hear what you're saying, but I, st- I think that he actually will end up going in the first round. I don't see I hope any. He, I way hope he does. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's going to. I think that we're still. See, I guess the challenge here in this list is, you know, where we would actually take these guys versus what I actually think is going to happen.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not so, saying um, what I think is going to happen. This is where I think people should be taken.
3: Oh, okay. Um,. I, uh, God, it's so tricky. I think for me, like I, I like I said, though, I think I'm taking Thomas and Adams probably ahead of him. Uh, and as I say this, I should note, I am holding a Le'Veon, or not a Le'Veon, Um almost got that one. I am holding an Antonio Brown action figure. He's been my favorite player for a number of seasons. I am. I, I'm holding.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, I really like Antonio Brown. Like, yeah. it's it's not like anything personal against Antonio Brown. Like, I think he was an awesome college player, uh, could produce in a variety of ways. I liked uh, in the NFL that he wasn't necessarily a speed guy, but was like a very agile, quick twitch guy who had great technique and was able to win in that way, you know? So, yeah, I mean, like, I like Antonio Brown. I just like, I'm not going to be the one who's like caught holding the bag on him, you know? Yeah,
3: exactly. And this comes back to when you start to get signal that a player – could have a drop-off, you adjust. And I'd rather take my picks next season and put them into players like Adams and Thomas versus Antonio Brown. Because even if Antonio Brown does finish again as one of the top two players, or, you know, top three, I don't think you're going to see the substantial divide between him and any of the other players we've been talking about. It just does not seem very likely. Um, So to kind of put my list here, I think right now I'm thinking probably Thomas... Adams probably Hopkins and then I think there's a couple interesting names to consider here I think I actually probably would slate Julio in after those guys then maybe Antonio but Adam Thielen I think he's probably going to go drafted next season do you see any way that what he did this season gets repeated going into next
1: not really and I actually don't think he's going to be drafted. Really? yeah I think like I don't know. I think people still sort of like see him as like a mirage, you know, like they're Mm -hmm. kind of like incredulous, like it's the guy who's been productive for like a number of years. But people are still like, I can't believe he's this good. And then now he's like he entered the league old. It took him a couple of years to get going. Uh, And now I think he's like twenty eight, twenty nine. Like I think it's twenty nine. Like actually, he's yeah. he's older than than people kind of think. I mean, he still seems like a young guy, but that's just because he hasn't been doing stuff for all that long. It just kind of took him a while to get going. So yeah, I don't know. I I don't want um I don't want like a kind of slot. It's not that he's only a slot receiver, but he's a primary slot receiver, like a like a twenty nine year old uh slot only receiver, um who probably overperformed this year. Like I don't want to yep. be buying that guy where people are probably going to be taking him, even though I don't think the market is still going to be all that high on him. Gotcha. So I'm looking at it here, uh, August 22nd,
3: 1990, making him 28. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna bounce this quote. Yeah. Oh, go yeah ahead. So
1: yeah, yeah, I was just, yeah. So he'll be 29 when the season starts.
3: Yeah. I mean, right. I, I don't want that. Um, so to toss out another name here that we haven't been talking about lately because he got hurt. Cooper Cop. Do you think that Cooper Cup is a better receiver than Adam
1: Thielen? Uh that's a good question. I don't know if he's a better receiver, but maybe he's just in better circumstances. Yeah. And um I mean he was he was super productive to start the year. I mean he was kind of the difference. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The difference in the Rams offense with cup in and cup out is actually significant.
1: Yeah. I mean like what Austin Colley was like to, to the Colts for like eight games one year. <laughs> that's like what Cooper cup was to the Rams this season before yeah. he got injured. Like he was like at no point could you say, Oh, he's the number one receiver on the team, but he was the most productive out of them when they were all healthy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another name that I think we have to just kind of float into this discussion is Tyreek Hill. Do you think that he deserves to get into the
1: conversation of top six receivers for next season? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I, think he does. Yeah, I think so. Um, It's it's a situation where he is really inconsistent, but he is still explosive enough where if you just kind of look in the aggregate at all of his stats, like right now he has – um, we're recording this during Sunday Night Football, so discounting yep. that game. Uh, for the season, uh, he has over 1,400 scrimmage yards and 11 touchdowns in 14 games. Like that's that's really good. Like not many players have production better than that. Yeah, that's absurd. And, 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 and there's also you, you, a return yep. touchdown in there too which like you you yeah. can't really count on that but like he's likely to get a return touchdown each year or like a one rushing touchdown each year or something like that like a miscellaneous score somehow he he will probably get it
3: right and of course he plays in probably the most perfect situation that he could be in for his particular skill set yeah. so it's going to be hard to look beyond that i guess the other player we should probably mention too is obj um, he has a lot of name recognition. I think the difference between him and some of these players, with the exception of Hill, is the overall target load. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's gonna be able to get to that one seventy, one eighty mark that you like to be able to get to for the, you know, overall wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not as efficient as a Hill, and we don't know what the quarterback situation is gonna look like. And I think that people might be afraid too of Barkley taking up some of those important targets.
1: Yeah. Um So a couple of thoughts. One, if um, if Kamara is a first rounder and Michael Thomas is a first rounder, like they are obviously in a good offense. But like, I think there's enough room in the Giants offense for Barkley and OBJ both to be first rounders. Um, And I think the quarterback situation there probably won't be much worse, even if it's Eli Manning. I don't know if he's going to be much worse last year than he was this year. And yep. it could be someone else, you know. Like, I don't know. It it could be an a, another veteran that they bring in. Um, I don't know, like Joe Flacco or something. And I don't know if Flacco would be worse. That'd be interesting than Eli. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it could be I don't know, like yeah. Nick Foles. Like, it, th- like there are people out there that could be brought in, or it could be you know a rookie quarterback. I don't know if that would be worse than Eli. Um, I don't know. I think OBJ just like in a vacuum, I'm thinking about this. Like he feels like a first rounder. He feels like a low first rounder to me.
3: I think that I'll actually be surprised if he goes in the first round. Yeah. I mean,
1: maybe he won't, but I think he probably Because uh, I think it's going to be easy for people to
3: kind of forget about him. I don't know. But the other thing here, Matt, too, I think that yes, Rob Gronkowski is out of the picture, but I do think that Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey now find themselves in the conversation For people looking for that differentiation at tight end, uh, which I know some people really like. So I think it's possible that Ertz or Kelsey could, you know, kind of sniff the first round in in a number of leagues.
1: That would surprise me. Um, Maybe if it's a like a tight end premium or like there are other circumstances. I don't know. I just first round seems because at that point, like you can get Kittle a little bit later. Um, Right. There are. There are enough other players that I think are probably good enough um, where it's worth maybe waiting a little bit. Like I could see second round, like middle of second round as kind of the starting point for Kelsey uh, with Ertz going a little bit later. But first round feels very rich for him. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that kind of what we've, we've
3: arrived at here is we're probably looking at six running backs we think will start in most leagues after that. Maybe Adams or Thomas or Julio or Hopkins or Brown in some order like that. And then um, Melvin Gordon probably gets inserted into there. And I forget if we identified another – well
1: – Potentially I think potentially he, James Connor. James Connor, right. Yeah, and he probably should. Yeah, I think he's a low first-rounder. Like for, for um, me, the way this is uh, shaping up, uh, the six running backs we mentioned at the top – and then there's probably the trio, uh, in some order of Hopkins, Adams and Thomas. And then I think there's probably, uh, Melvin Gordon. And I think there is probably James Connor. And this is me, not necessarily again, thinking of what will happen, but maybe like what I think should happen. Should um, happen. Yeah. so I think Gordon and Connor are probably like picks 10 and 11 around there. And then for that last one, um, I think Julio, I think I'd probably go Julio before OBJ, um, before yep. Tyree Hill, before Antonio. Um, I think I would, I think I would go with Julio, you know, I mean, the guy is, he's so efficient. He's started to get more touchdowns recently. Um, yeah, I think I'd go with him.
3: Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Uh, so I wanted to keep this episode kind of short. Uh, so I will close with one final question. Patrick Mahomes, clear cut, number one pick as far as quarterbacks go next season. Yeah. Do you think that we do see people kind of reaching for him in the third round like we saw with Rodgers this year? Or do you think that people are going to recognize how strong the position was, how deep it is,
1: and that though Mahomes was awesome, they can probably <laughs> <need to> wait? <laughs> there's, there's always going to be one person who reaches for quarterback. <laughs> and I think Mahomes, if, like if they're going to reach – they're reaching, um, like for a particular person, you know what I mean? And Mahomes is the type of guy they would reach for, you know? So yeah, I think he, I think in a lot of leagues, he will go starting in the third round. People will, will take him that early because he's been, I think the MVP to this point in the season.
3: Right. I, I definitely think that makes sense. All right, Matt, I think that we've covered a lot of ground. I'm looking forward to kind of getting more in depth with some of our expectations for players moving into next season. Uh, Before we close down for this uh, special holiday episode, if you will, any closing thoughts?
1: Uh, No, nothing. Just uh, happy holidays to everyone. And uh, it was a a fun season. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening to the show. Summed it up perfectly. Uh, And to those of you... Celebrating Festivus! I hope you yes. are ready for the feats of strength. Yes, I mean Festivus has already been celebrated in this house. I have se- I have several metal poles uh, erected throughout the house. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So that is this episode of Rotoviz Radio. Again, we hope you have
3: a great holiday. Uh, be sure to go to iTunes, rate and review the show. With the holidays coming up, that would be a nice gift for us. And again, we uh, thank you for tuning in throughout the season Matt and I are going to be here during the playoffs so we hope that we will uh, see you again and uh for Matt F the Oracle I'm Dave Cabin saying it's not a fantasy if you believe it
1: boy without the script I was I say, would... it almost sounded like you were doing that with no script <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave that in yeah uh, all right sir uh, you have a good holiday thanks you too all
3: right, all right Bye.
2: Here. bye